welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me is Eeyore. Hi, Katie. <laughs> and I guess that makes Cam Tigger. Tigger. <laughs> oh, that was a terrible Tigger. <laughs> that was no. That was I'm not. I'm not woken up yet. So this episode, we want to do a little different. Um, we are celebrating Disney, celebrating mm. turning 100, mm-hmm. um, 100 years of magic. Of course, you're going. Wait, didn't we just celebrate the 50th? Mm-hmm. With a great company, they make sure to market and make sure you're celebrating all the different anniversaries, whether it's the anniversary of the entire company itself, anniversary of Walt Disney World, because that's mm. what was 50th, anniversary of certain parks. So they want to just make sure they can sell you some swag, celebrate, get people together. But yes, on Monday, they just celebrated 100 years of Disney magic. And that's where, you know, when you're talking to people about Disney, Disney's been around for so long. They've been a part of so much. And they just keep growing and changing nonstop. And so if you haven't ever heard of Disney, then where (laughs) Where have you been living? Katie, it's uh, particularly fitting because not only are uh, are they celebrating their 100 years of magic, but Uh also you're coming down off of a Disney high. You just (laughs) just came back from that area, at least. Yeah, we did a family trip. And so I got to play Auntie Edna. Literally, I actually dressed up as Edna for Mm. the trip. Not the entire time. Edna Mode. Edna Mode, yes. Sorry. Did you have the wig? Yeah, I had the (gasps) wig. Yep. So um, I went with my family and we took the nieces and went to a Disney cruise, Mm -hmm. Halloween on the High Seas. And then I'm I have, a big fan of the Disney cruises. I've only been on one, but I, I very much enjoyed myself. It was when my kids were younger and uh, and I I had a blast. I think my kids had a blast. Uh, so yeah. it, was, it was a good time. It was a cool time. I mean, getting to be with all the characters. And um, the last night we went to a show and the entertainment director was like, you know, this is for the kids. But this is also where hopefully for this time period you're here as an adult, you can kind of embrace your inner child. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Disney has always tried to do is like really hit every single group. And so as a child, you get a lot of impact, but then you go and want to share that impact with your children. And then I also actually was on Disney property technically mm-hmm. for the hundredth. I met some friends and so I actually went to the park after we got off the cruise. And so I was leaving Disney property on Monday when they turned 100. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool that I was there, um, got to be a part of the Disney magic in a small way. But now you don't just end up on Disney property by accident when you fall off the boat. You get off the boat, you've (laughs) got to intentionally go over to the park. Um, Because, of course, the park is in the center of the state. Yeah. The boats, I think they cruise out of Port Canaveral, they're over on the coast. Uh, and it's a little bit of a, I guess Orlando Airport is the closest thing to that yeah, port. Yeah, it's about so, an hour so the you, airport's away. You got to yeah. fly into Orlando, but then you got to take a bus over to the boat. And then when you get off the boat, you got to take a bus back. So you didn't just trip and fall into Disney World or Epcot or wherever you were. You must have gone there intentionally, met up with your friends, and then... Uh, yeah. Unless the Disney Cruise was on Captain Hook's ship, which can fly. Mm. It can, for sure. Cameron, uh, what are your kids' favorite Disney uh, experiences? Are they are they are they Disney fans? Uh, yeah, they're not like hardcore. They have not been to the parks yet, mm. which Abby and I want to take them probably next year. Yeah, Gotta start saving. Uh, they like <laughs> yes. the Disney movies. It makes me sad they don't like the two D original artwork, oh. which I think is very common for little kids. They mm-hmm. love the 3D Pixar look. Sure. So uh, across the board, I think the boys' favorite so no one, Little Mermaid? Not no, even like the, not no. even Beauty and the Beast? None no. of those? No. Oh, They've man. seen them all, but they're just like, whatever. Okay, what you got to do there is you got to play the soundtrack over and over, over again in the car until 
they just can't. They like they, I have to. I have to watch this. Yeah. I mean, it is different because it's like we grew up on that stuff, and then you go back and watch it compared to what they have now, mm. and even how much Mickey has changed. Because my brother and I were talking about this. How Mickey and Minnie look right now is very different. And there's actually like a whole backstory about going back to Oswald and going back to like copywriting. And I mean, there's a lot going in there with it. And so they wanted to really make a new spin on Mickey. But just the evolution of it back when October 16th, 1923, when Walt and Roy were sitting there getting everything started and it really was beautiful. It was pen and paper. Mm. There was no technology. It's really cool. And I know with TikTok and things like that, a lot of this has come to light. But where you've seen, oh, these scenes are similar from like Lion King and Snow White. And it's like, well, yeah, you think about it. These artists have drawn these specific scenes. And if they can kind of reuse an area and then just draw in a new character, it's not clicking a button. It is. They literally yeah. had to draw Snow White here, Snow White stepping one step. Then another step, mm -hmm. then another step. Like yeah. You and I talked about this on our trip. Yeah, I think there's three movies. I mean, I think they did this a lot, but there's the Winnie the Pooh, Christopher Robin's walking through the woods, and then Robin Hood, it's the same scene, and mm -hmm. then Jungle Book, Mowgli. Mm -hmm. It's yep. the same thing where they kind of jump over a rock, and it's just like, wow, it is the exact same artwork. It's just a different character. But it's really cool, and they don't do it as much, or it's harder to find, but I remember as a kid... We had some of the cells in my house, or my parents still have some of them, but that's where it's the overlay of the drawing and then like the color and all of that, because mm -hmm. that's what it had to be. And it was really cool to see that these iconic characters that we grew up with was literally somebody's imagination with a pen and paper. They still have the Imagineers. They still have the animators. They still have all this because, yes, because it's on a computer doesn't dilute the imagination aspect of it. It just it's different. It changes. It makes it easier of like, OK, here's our person, let's animate it. And in fact, uh, I was sending Cam snaps on the Disney cruise. They had a restaurant called Animator's Palace. Mm -hmm. They gave you a sheet of paper and it had like quadrants in it. and it says, draw whatever you want in these quadrants. And just no words, no, like there's specific things with it. So I drew this little like witchy type person. And then about 45 minutes later, all of a sudden our animations that we drew on this paper came to life and it was on a screen and it was really fun. That's my dream right there. Yeah, it was really fun because then you saw like your character up there, like very stiff, but it was moving. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that there are kids in the room that remember that. And then that somehow triggers them to want to be like, I want to do this one day. I want to be an animator. I want to create because that's that's something that I'm sorry, AI and stuff like that can help. But it will never be able to imagine, you know, oh, let's have somebody look like Sneezy. Like, I mean, that, that, that you have to create that in your mind. Yeah. A lot of people right now, and I, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but I do want to sort of tie it in with our overall financial theme. A lot of people right now in the artistic industries are worried about AI. Uh -huh. And I, I think a lot of people just generally in, in service industries like ours can be worried about AI. But I think that you have one of two options here. You can either just get rolled over by it or you can learn to incorporate it into what you do and work with it. And it can actually be a tool for great advances in a lot of the stuff that we do, whether yeah. we're artistic or financial or, you know, legal or whatever. If it's used right, then then we could really see some, I don't know, I think we're really on the cusp of something huge here. I'm all for animators, lawyers, everybody really embracing that stuff and getting behind it and seeing where it takes us. It'll be exciting. 
So the company started as a small animation studio, but it has since grown into one of the largest, most successful entertainment companies in the world. That's an understatement. Yeah. I don't see it on the outline, but I think it's important to note that Walt Disney wasn't just like, he just walked into a studio and was a success. He was actually fired when he was younger by a, I believe it was a Kansas City newspaper, and they fired him because they said, in quotes, he lacked imagination, which is hysterical now. You know, the guy that created this imagination empire. Let me ask this, because I genuinely don't know. What happened to Roy? Why don't we ever hear about Roy? Or I'm, I don't hear about Roy. What's up with Roy Disney? IMDb says, after Walt Disney's death in 1966, Roy postponed his retirement to oversee construction of what was then known as Disney World. He later renamed it Walt Disney World as a tribute to his brother. Roy became the president of Walt Disney Productions on December 15, 1966, and remained so until 1968. He died in 1971 at the age of 78. So, the more you know. Roy was married to Edna. <laughs> Edna, Edna Mode. Mode. Edna Mode. But, I mean, that's the thing is, is that there's a lot of, whether it's Disney heritage or an animator's heritage, like those names came from a lot of different places and have stories. So, I was very fascinated. I don't know if y'all ever saw the movie Saving Mr. Banks. I only saw parts of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. Well, so it was interesting because it was Mary Poppins' story, mm -hmm. but it was from the perspective of the studio and Disney and things like that. and Dealing with the original author of Mary Poppins, right? Yeah, uh, dealing with that, trying mm -hmm. to get Mary Poppins to happen because Walt Disney was just an imaginator. You look around the parks, you look around different things, and it's always his quotes about all started with a mouse and just having your imagination run wild. And so some of the earlier successes that a lot of people probably know about, but was the release of the short film Steamboat Willie in mm -hmm. 1928. This film was the first to feature Mickey Mouse and it quickly became a cultural phenomenon. I really wish that I could, whenever anybody mentioned Steamboat Willie, bust out into the tune that he whistles, yeah. like, you know, that iconic tune. I can't. I can't do it, but. Uh, <laughs> yes. The starts of Disney. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I can't go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what Steamboat Willie is still very much in that. And mm -hmm. like he's especially with 150 and all stuff like that coming around. I actually was at the park on Saturday and they have brought back Fantasmic. And that is a show that they have at Hollywood Studios. It's really I trying to explain it to the people who had never seen it before. And I said, it's kind of that Mickey gets to like battle it out and like challenge you know believing and imagination and so they're actually at the end of the show they have a big steamboat that comes around and there's black and white mickey Whoa. driving the steamboat mm. which i just i think it's That's really so cool. cool that then you know of course tiana and cinderella and like all the princesses and um rafiki and like all these really cool people are on there so like almost every single aged person in that room can be like oh that's this oh that's that and like Pull on the heartstrings with the Steamboat Willie aspect of it. But the first full-length film animated was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Mm -hmm. And to celebrate 100, they actually released a 4K version of this 1937 movie. First time released in 4K? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, so that was kind of their birthday gift to the world was, here you go. This is new, you know, released resolution in 4K. And so this movie was huge because this, I mean, obviously he had to have the characters there for this premiere. And so that's really kind of like what dawned having the characters and having these big premieres of it because okay, it's an animated show. It's a kid's show. But like, 
I remember seeing pictures of this and people are dressed to the nines and there for this great animated musical. And think about the songs, Hi-Ho. Hi-Ho. Yeah. <laughs> and that movie, although it came out in 1937, you know, they did just have a new Snow White ride Seven Dwarfs in the Mine Train, mm-hmm. released not that long ago that is a huge success. If you look at Magic Kingdom Park, that always has the highest wait time. Hmm. So even though it's something that started so long ago and was the very first, it's still making an impact every single year in every aspect of Disney. Yeah, And it's fun little fact with Snow White. Um, on the cruise, my little three-year-old niece got to meet Snow White, wearing the Snow White costume my mom made for me as a kid. Mm. That's cool. Sort of similar to that, uh, although it was was not the costume that either Robin or I wore when we were kids. My daughter was at the park and got to go meet Cinderella dressed as Cinderella. Oh. And uh, we've got pictures of her uh, in her Cinderella dress throwing an absolute fit. It was amazing and wonderful. And then when she grew up, she has a prom dress that made her very much look like Cinderella as well. That I just, it's one of my favorite pictures of her is her in that prom dress. Anyway, Disney had, I guess, humble beginnings, one man and his imagination or one man, his brother and a dream or something like that. But uh, they've obviously grown into a ginormous corporate entity now that is parks and hotels and resorts and movies and TV. And I mean, golly, it's just, it's just a conglomerate. And of course, and I've always assumed, and I think it's safe to say that the company that you deal with in succession, that you see the characters dealing with in succession is is based off of that idea of a Disney-esque company, right? You know, they've got parks and entertainment divisions yeah. and so forth. It's always trying to stay like cutting edge. And it's, I mean, I just Googled Walt Disney quotes and these are all fitting. If you can dream it, you can do it. Laughter is timeless. Imagination has no age and dreams are forever. Ideas come from curiosity. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like we talk about, you know, innovators and those that are, you know, setting the tone for things. Disney was ahead of its time with having these parts, with doing these movies, and they just keep putting amazing stuff out left and right. And yeah, for the most part, they have a very high bar as yeah. far as quality, story. I mean, it's amazing. You were talking about Snow White, and I feel like we all know that was the first Disney animated movie. I feel like it's taught in history books. Everyone knows yeah. that. But I just looked up. I was curious, what was their first live action film? Do you all know this? Uh, no. It's just weird that like it was not talked about. It's Treasure Island, 1950. Oh. I didn't oh, know that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I think they evolved because obviously... Um, <laughs> In fact, I did this last night. I got a notification that said American Horror Story is now streaming on Disney Plus. And I'm like, what? FX. Mm. Right? Yeah. Disney owns FX. And that's what I'm like. Oh, my gosh. They own everything. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, ESPN, really, ABC, FX, Fox, F- yeah, you know, I Pixar. Mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're, go- they're gobbling thing, it all up. <laughs> something that I think about is back when Pixar was huge. You know, Toy Story came out, and then they they had multiple hits after that, and people started going like, "Oh, this is going to be uh, Pixar is going to." kill Disney, Pixar, the new animation, Disney's old animation style is not going to be, people aren't going to care about it anymore. It's kind of like what you said, Cam, about your your kids, them preferring 3D it's animation. It's old. <laughs> so what did Disney do? Well, they're like, oh, we'll just buy Pixar. Then. <laughs> they have their hands in pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. I guess their purchase of Lucasfilm, was that the most recent big purchase? Yeah, I think they bought Marvel, Marvel after. Marvel That's right. after. Lucas. That's yeah, right. so I mean, pretty much... And, of course, Fox was even more recent. Sorry, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much 
they own everything. Like they don't have Harry Potter. Um, it's really funny because people will talk about, oh, I want to see this. And it's like, there's very few things that it's like, oh no, that's universal. That's, mm. that's, they own that. But so, I mean, pretty much if somebody says, hey, we're having a Disney day, dress up, it's like, okay, you can do Marvel, you can do Star Wars, you can do Pixar, anything Disney. Technicality-wise, you can do something ESPN because, you know, there's so many aspects that Disney owns and... Yeah, Cameron, when we do like Disney dress-up day here, just wear like your jersey. Cowboys jersey or something. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Easy. Yeah, so they've acquired such properties as Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilms, you know, so they then were able to then branch off and have this whole Star Wars world. Mm -hmm. And in Disneyland in California, there's a whole Marvel universe, Marvel campus that they have there. So they're able to then really kind of hit each aspect of it. You can walk into a park and you can meet a princess or you can meet a action hero. And so it really is making it for every possible family member. Yeah. There's something for them. And of course, you know, they're going to sell you some great merchandise and they're going to make sure they have all of that. But it also makes them extremely, extremely powerful. And I would not be doing my job if I didn't say that Disney has gotten some backlash recently for getting political. And I'm not going to get political on this podcast, but they came out very much with some quote unquote woke things is what people like to throw out there. And, and there was a lot of people upset that Disney was getting political and putting their stance on what they believe in and what they want their cast members to believe in. And it upset a lot of people. But it's also one of those that Disney has always been open and upfront about who they are, what they believe in, what they expect for their employees, all of that. And so it's, you know, they're super powerful. They can kind of do what they want to do. Yeah. I mean, for years and years and years, corporations kept kind of quiet about what they believe in because that was, oh, no, we don't want to get in trouble. But in the mm -hmm. past, I'd say two decades, Starbucks, Disney, I mean, and Google, every, every company. Everybody's they, doing it. Apple, you know exactly where they stand on political issues. One of the big cases in the last couple of decades that happened that was decided in the Supreme Court that everybody has probably heard about, if you listen to the news a lot, was a, a case that shorthand is referred to as Citizens United. And it's a case that the Supreme Court decided that basically said that corporations are a person and they have a right to free speech just like anybody else and they can exercise that right by making political donations. The case came down to whether or not a corporation could make political donations. That's interesting. I'm not necessarily suggesting that that one decision freed all corporations up to say whatever they wanted about whatever they want, but I think you have seen corporations become a lot more vocal since that decision came down, both in, in how they donate money to political things, political pursuits, but also how they support the causes that they feel are important. And you mentioned Starbucks and Disney and so forth, but you've also got, just to balance out the political scales, you've got things like Chick-fil-A and Hobby mm -hmm. Lobby and so forth that are definitely tend to, to lean a little bit more on the right. So everybody's out there sort of speaking their mind a lot more than they used to. And I think the big thing about freedom of speech is obviously freedom of speech allows you to say what you want, but that doesn't protect you from backlash. Sure. Whether yeah. you're a person person or a uh, corporation taking advantage of that right to speak, you still can experience backlash if you express an opinion and that opinion that you express ends up not being a popular opinion. People can let you know. Yeah. I also think the advent of Twitter helped brands get their voice out there because it was kind of a casual way they could reach the audience. Mm -hmm. I think that really started boosting, oh, we can kind of speak as a person and not a company. You yeah. know. On the flip side of this, you as a 
a person who has money, who is an investor, anything like that. You have the right to spend your money, invest your money in what you believe in and what you want to believe in. So if there's something you don't like, then you can choose to do that. You can exercise your voice by not investing in that particular company. It's just definitely when you think about, I don't like Disney, um, there's a lot that goes into that one for sure. Kind of like when people were upset with Bud Light and it's like, well... Anheuser-Busch, or I think that's actually another company that owns all the things, pretty Inbe- much. InBev, I think, Inbe- is, the, yeah. is the overall owner. Yeah, uh, that owns a lot of things. And yeah. so that that's the thing is, is that it's free to choose what you want to be a part of, what you want to spend your money on. But just know a lot of these companies like that, they are a part of a lot of other things. They own a lot of things. And so that's, we'll get off this political <laughs> soapbox on this. It let's also get, reminds let's of, go back to Disney. It reminds me <laughs> of Procter & Gamble. They kind of own the world as well. It's mm-hmm. like Disney, Procter & Gamble, and InBev. You basically have it all covered. So Disney owning all these properties, that is a classic monopoly. What are your thoughts on that? Like, are y'all cool with it? Or is it like, uh, I hate that like every movie I go see has the Disney logo on it. Or or financially speaking, are y'all cool with like all these new properties? And I'm not going to claim that I really understand exactly how the movie industry works. Because generally speaking, one thing that I do know for sure is that There might be a Disney movie, but the production company behind the movie that it was possibly funded or distributed or whatever by Disney can be a much smaller company that has a particular artistic bent. And if they if they produce this movie and Disney doesn't want to distribute that movie, then they can distribute it under some other through some other distributor. The the big thing about a monopoly is it stifles competition, right? And so, again, limited uh, understanding of exactly how the entire movie industry works, but at least in that very specific example of movies and the production of movies and so forth, I don't know that Disney owning so many different major properties has necessarily stifled competition or tamped down on the amount of creativity there is out there. It seems like there's still plenty of creative projects. Now, you've got directors like Martin Scorsese, who uh, who says that you know Marvel movies are going to be based basically the end of the world. He hates them and thinks that they're creatively just void. But I personally see a lot of stuff out there that is still very good that's not coming out through Disney. Disney's taken over a ton, and I think it's just they're trying to, again, be relevant, make sure they're hitting all the different aspects of it. Not necessarily on the movie aspect side of it, but I do have people that I know personally who work in different capacities with Disney, whether it's a cast member at the park, whether the entertainment part of it, um, engineering, Imagineers, things like that. And even just being at the park, you see people who have been there for 30, 40 years, like so long. And so I think it's one of those that from a business aspect, you think about it, a small company it's very expensive for them to take really good care of their employees. Mm-hmm. It's you know expensive to have the health care, to do things. The bigger you get, the more benefits you can actually take care of your people. Now, I don't know all the ins and outs of what employees will get, but I do know that from what I know, the people who work with Disney, they love it. They enjoy what they're doing. And is anybody ever compensated what they feel like they really need? Probably not. But I do think that Disney seems to take care of their people. But it's also another business aspect of it. I remember um, a couple of years ago, probably been like 10 years now, but all about Disney teaching other companies about their model of customer service and taking care of their people. And that it's like if a cast member is having a bad day, then they're pulled like they, they don't need to be out there. They don't need to be representing your brand. And that's why whether you're a janitor 
work in the popcorn stand, you're a character, everybody is a cast member. And so it makes it where they're really a part of it. And it's, they have to have so much knowledge, those, you know, face characters. So that would be like a princess or something like that. They have to go to school and learn the history of the characters. They have to learn, obviously, the autographs. They have to learn the voices. And so they put a lot of work and invest a lot of time in their people to make sure that they do their job best to then represent their brand because they are so big. And in the day of Twitter and social media aspects, then one bad cast member can mess up a whole little toxic group there and then just feed. Mm -hmm. So with them being so big, kind of with like succession, they've got to make sure that they never get so big that they don't realize all the different areas that they know about the fires happening because somebody would be like, oh, Disney's failing this property over here. or They're doing bad on this. And so it's kind of impressive. It's very impressive. And so I would see, obviously, for all these other companies to then join them then it's obviously it's a it's an attractive offer for compensation. And it's probably that they're still then trying to keep them their integrity of what they are, not try and change it. Like Star Wars hasn't really changed from what it was. If anything, it's changed. And it's, you know, it's continuing to get bigger and better and getting more people. But it's not that we've got Darth Vader, like Disney-fied and like a glitzy little, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, Well, yeah, I do know what you're saying. I will just so that we stay on the right side of Star Wars fanatics. I will say <laughs> I was that, thinking it, you know, uh, yeah. for those of for those of our listeners that are that are Star Wars fans that think that Disney absolutely has changed uh, the Star Wars property. We hear you. We're there for you. We, we you know, but yeah, no, Darth Vader. It's not like they stuck mouse ears on Darth Vader or something like that. I think is more more to your point. Yeah. But they're yeah. screaming into the void. They introduced Ray, yeah. Ray Skywalker. Now, yes. a lot of those people that were lamenting a lot of stuff that 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 happened in the Star Wars universe with the sequels now love the Filoni verse. Dave oh, Filoni yeah. and and uh, John Favreau. Thank you, Favreau. Favreau. Yeah. yeah, it's growing pains, but it's also one of those like, what would Lucas Films have been without Disney stepping in? Like, mm -hmm. we don't, we don't know all the ins and outs of it, but yes, I know change is hard. Yeah, we all have issues with it. <laughs> we hear you. You've been heard. <laughs> yeah, but obviously you know that there is, there's Disneyland and there's Walt Disney World, but there's also, you've got Tokyo, you've got mm -hmm. Paris, you've got it everywhere and you really can't go anywhere without having some aspect of Disney there. It's, and those are the parks, but then the like parks. I said, they've also got the resorts where yeah. it's not necessarily a full-fledged park, but it's still a Disney-themed hotel in Hawaii or something Hawaii, like that. Hawaii, they've got the cruise lines, mm -hmm. they've They've got a Disney property in like, I think South or North Carolina, somewhere like that. It's really everywhere. And I think that to Cam, your point, you talked about seeing all these movies and there's the Disney logo on there. I think there's also a lot of stuff that Disney has their hands in that we don't see mm -hmm. that, you know, it may be branded or something else, but it's like, that's actually a Disney company. But I mean, they, they try and be really good. They get back. And I know Disney's been in the news a lot with this whole fight with Florida and all of that. Yeah, we said we <laughs> another, were going to get another, away from that. <laughs> another political mess in there. But it's you think about it, they're stimulating a lot to Orlando. The mm -hmm. Orlando airport, you go there and it's themed nothing but Disney. But if you didn't have Disney in Orlando, then the traffic in that airport would be nothing. Really. Yeah, I heard somebody recently make the argument when the whole Florida thing came up. It's like, you know, well, if Disney were to just up and leave Florida, what, <laughs> what would that leave? And it would leave a giant, giant hole but the fact of the matter is Disney's got billions of dollars invested in Florida and they're not about to just 
shutter the place and head out, you know? Yeah. They have a very large investment in in that area and in the the park and everything else over there. So they're I don't think they're going anywhere. But yeah. um and yeah. financially it is super expensive to go to Disney World or yeah. Disney Cruise or things like that. That's been another thing that's come up recently is the park prices, prices and are they and yeah. are they overpriced? Did they price them too high when they raised prices recently? <sighs> It's a tough thing. And obviously, like financially, if you're sitting there trying to think about going on a Disney trip or doing things, then mm-hmm. that is a trip you've got to save and plan it out. And there are hacks out there on like getting the gift cards and, you know, doing payment plans and things like that. Because while, yes, it's super expensive and, you know, you know Disney's making money, obviously, mm-hmm. but that is why they try and make sure when you're there, it is enjoyable. And like, for instance, we had a situation where we, we were supposed to be getting on a ride. The ride shut down. The cast member said, look, I'm so sorry. Uh, I know this was your time slot to come back. You can come back at any point today once the ride's back up. Mm-hmm. And so they try and make sure their customer service, it's not just like, oh, sorry, it sucks that the ride was down during your time. Good luck. So I think that is a way that if you do go to other places, you're paying, you know, maybe not as much, but you're paying a lot of money and they may be dirty. They may have the rude, grumpy person's like, sit down, put your seatbelt on, like in that they try and have the magic with that. But now I will tell you, it's exhausting. Yeah, (laughs) Disney is tired if you're there. It it is a lot more work than it was before because of the Genie Pluses and the Lightning Lanes and We'll do a whole episode on when Cam's prepping for his Disney trip. We'll talk about that. Mm. I haven't been since the castle was pink as a big birthday cake for oh, his 25th yeah. anniversary. So it's mm. been 25 years. And there was not all the lightning pass oh, no, stuff no, no. back this, then. This is all. And that's they've got brand new rides. And that Sunday I got to do the soft opening for the new Moana Journey of Water area. Um, it was really cool. It was uh, yeah, it was more Moana. like a it was a walk through like water interaction thing. So it's not an attraction. But then I also did ride Tron and rode Guardians twice. Love Guardians. Guardians my favorite. Was Tron fun? Tron. It looks awesome in the videos. It's very short. It's a minute. You were mm. on the ride. Oh, wow. That doesn't sound like it's worth standing in line. Yeah, I think it was fun. It was fast, but it had a big kickoff at the beginning, and then it was just kind of slow and coasting. My dad loved it. My brother said he felt like he was just on his motorcycle, kind of. And I was like, oh, this is cool, but I don't know that I would wait a long time in line for it. You were, like, strapped in that sucker. Like, there's push points where it's on your back, it's on your legs, it's on your, you know, front, everything. So mm. it's a little you got some claustrophobic issues, do not ride that ride because you were just like cinched in there. So let's talk about some more first. So Disney switched from hand-drawn animations to CGI in the early 1990s. Do y'all know what the first fully CGI film was? I know one of the first CGI scenes. It was Beauty and the Beast, the dance scene with the chandelier when the camera went around when they're ballroom dancing. That was one of the first Disney CG Mm. scenes. But I don't know the first fully CG movie. Was it after Beauty? You got a friend in me. Pixar. But did they own Pixar at the time? They didn't own, but actually those early Pixar movies were Disney collaborations. Yeah. Oh, that's so right. So when they talked about, ooh, is, yeah. is this going to kill Disney? It wasn't those first few movies. It was when Pixar was like, yeah, we're going to go our own way. Do our own thing. Uh, and people were like, what's Disney going to do if Pixar goes their own way? And then Disney bought Pixar. Yeah, because then there's a lot of confusion. So it was, it was Toy Story was the first mm. fully CGI movie, which that's obviously has a soft place in a lot of people's hearts. That mm. came out in 1995. And then 
of course, we've had multiple since then. And there's a whole Toy Story land, which is absolutely incredible. You feel like you are a toy. I did actually get to eat at the little new barbecue restaurant they've created in Toy Story land. And while you're there, the waiters are very much talking to you like you're, oh, are you new toys? And when somebody's birthday, it was happy unboxing day. Mm. We convinced our waiter that one of the people at our table was a bad toy. And so he was going to the donation bin. But they have over the loudspeaker, it'll be like, warning, warning, warning. And it's this army sergeant. And it says, Andy's coming. Andy's coming. Warning. And everyone in the restaurant has to freeze. So everyone just like pauses, freezes, because if you move, then Andy's going to recognize you and you may get taken. It's really cute that they really do try and immerse you. And so, yeah, maybe you forget about getting that bill of the restaurant and stuff. So, yeah, Toy Story was around, and you've got, you know, the theme parks, entertainment. Yeah, they haven't just revolutionized animation. they have I wouldn't say they've necessarily revolutionized streaming, but, you know, Disney Plus is definitely uh, it's huge. made a splash. And then, of course, they now have Disney Plus and Hulu and ESPN Plus. So they've got all of that going on. Well, and the technology, because it's, you know, they started out with these magic bands, which are really... You know, we think of it as that's where your park ticket is. And then you eventually could put a credit card on Mm -hmm. there. And that was really even before like the Apple pays and stuff like that. But then it was also a tracking. So if a child got lost, they could track that. Disney security is innovative. And I mean, there's a jail in Disney World Mm -hmm. underneath. But the fact that if there's going to be an issue, then Disney's the kind of a place to be because they have eyes everywhere. They have undercover people walking around. On the roller coaster ride side, they have these trackless coasters now, which is very innovative. Rise of Resistance, Mickey and Minnie's Railway. So they're not just movies. They're They're, everything. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Growing up, I wanted to be an Imagineer. I Mm. thought that would have been the coolest job. Yeah. Well, I mean. There's still time. (laughs) There's still time. Yeah. Disney has inspired generations of artists, filmmakers, storytellers. It's been ingrained in the collective consciousness. You know, Cam was talking before we started how, and I haven't seen it yet, but they released a short, which is just, you know, a short little film for the 100th and that they were able to actually include Robin Williams, Jeannie, and get old voice tracks and put it together, which I think is so cool to just have a collaboration of all the different favorite characters. And and Disney was really good during COVID of trying to do like virtual little things and like have some magic because they knew people were at home. Mm -hmm. And how happy does it get you if everybody starts busting out and Taylor's Oldest Time or Hi-Ho or just these great songs. And when you watch the Oscars and the Emmys and things like that, like there are big artists that look to collaborate. We talked about James Bond and how like who the artist is associated with those movies. And you can kind of tell those songs. Same with Disney. It's like, oh, Christina Aguilera is going to sing a song and, you know, Phil Collins. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Tarzan soundtrack. If, if you need to listen to some great music, go listen to the Tarzan soundtrack. He did not soundtrack. have to go that hard for an animated movie. <laughs> I know. Such a great soundtrack. So these characters, you know, that they have created and they continue to keep creating because, you know, they are very much trying to stay relevant and on top of things with their new live action aerial mm-hmm. and trying to make sure that every little girl, um, little girl, little boy can see themselves in somebody. So they can see that they're not the, you know, clean cut princess. They're more Emerita and like wild hair and just kind of wanting to go and run and be brave and free and do things or 
you know, they may love Mulan or Tiana or whoever it is, but they're also very philanthropic. Yeah. Um, they do a lot. Disney volunteers. Volun- volunteers. 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 Got to stress the Volunt- ears. Pause. Ears. <laughs> program allows employees to volunteer their time to local organizations. So that's really good, again, of how they're taking care of their people. Trash cans in the parks are designated to be no more than 30 feet apart to help decrease littering. Mm -hmm. And it's even one of those I noticed, I didn't see the person doing it, but there was leaves and one of the cast members had made it into the shape of a Mickey. Like they had like swept them up. And so you never really see trash. They are trying to be very environmental, which I hate the paper straws, Disney. Like, oh, I know that's like being environmental, but the paper straws are awful. <laughs> you have to drink your drink really fast or else the straw is like, oh. there you go. You won't find straws in Animal Kingdom to prevent animals from getting a hold of them. You won't find straws anywhere. <laughs> I feel like they've got the paper ones. And with Animal Kingdom, they've got a whole animal program and trying to help out with wildlife. They've got a whole Living with the Land in Epcot, which is a ride where they talk about farming and they talk about growing produce and, you know, really taking care of the earth. Because that's kind of when Epcot first started out, the different parks, what they were. And so Epcot has multiple rides that are very educational but they grow their own produce. Then that's but so you'll see the tomatoes growing on that ride and then, you know, come back in a couple of weeks and that tomato may be what's on your salad at the French Pavilion or something like that. <laughs> so what's the future of Disney? Mm. As I said, I, I would bet they buy more companies. I think that's a pretty safe bet. What's left to buy? Yeah, what's left? <laughs> Procter and Gamble. Yeah, well, I know that uh, from the cruise ship, they because they own their own private island, Castaway Key, or Castaway Key is what they actually, they say it is key, but it's actually C-A-Y. Mm. They've already bought another island. Oh, really? um, they have just purchased, they've got a new ship that just launched. And our waitress was telling us that there is another three or four in the works. Wow. So, you know, Disney very much, like a, like any business should, like any person should, they're already looking out, you know, the next two years, five years, 10 years, 15 years. And so while we're celebrating 100 years, you know, they're already thinking about 125, 150. They're already thinking about those big milestone anniversaries. And what they've got to get done. And with any like production thing, what movies are coming out? What rides are coming out? What changes do they need to make? Um, as you know, Magic Kingdom Splash Mountain is being taken down and being converted into Tiana. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be a Princess and the Frog ride. I've heard rumors that Dinosaur and Animal Kingdom is going to be closed. And that's going to be turned into something else. And so they're constantly, like that first Disney quote I read, that it was, you know, you've got to quit talking. You've got to start doing mm-hmm. And that's what I think a lot of people, we can learn from Disney in the fact that they're constantly moving. They're constantly doing new things and thinking of what's next, what's next. Yeah, they're looking ahead. But they also have built a great team that can do that because you as yourself, Cam and I know, we'll we'll do an event and it's before we can even breathe and process that event. It's like, well, what's the next thing? And it can get exhausting. But that's why Disney hires great people to try and make sure these things happen and are executed appropriately because they're in the spotlight. And if they put out something that's not great, then it's going to bite them in the butt. Mm-hmm. People are going to let them know. Oh, yeah. People are very vocal. <laughs> you going to know. Yeah. You going to know. 
You just mentioned it in passing, but I want to go back to Princess and the Frog for a second. Was that a 2D movie? Was that a 2D it was, movie? I think it was their last 2D movie. Okay, so that's what I really liked that movie. I just want to I just want to throw that out it there. Good. It didn't do well. When it first came out. Yeah, I mean... I was a junior in college, I'm pretty sure. I know we all went to go see it. Yeah, yeah, our youngest wanted to see it, and we, we went and saw it uh, with her, and I, I was kind of like, oh, i got to go see it. And I, I very much enjoyed it, but yeah, anyway. But um, it's, it's kind of one of those that a goofy movie, which... I hadn't thought about in forever. I saw several people on the cruise and in the parks and even saw Max, the character from it. It's like it's coming back. It has been resurrected. Yeah. And so it's interesting because it's like Disney may know of like, oh, it's it's about time to start bringing this one back up. Well, I would say, uh, do you want to do a bullseye, Katie? But uh, <laughs> as usual, you have bullseyed it up unless you got more to say. I mean, I can talk about Disney all the time. <laughs> was her bullseye about a Goofy movie? No. It was about looking forward and, you know, having a uh, team and, you know, all of that stuff. It was it was a good point. Bullseye, whether you like Disney or not, it's really in a lot of places. It's doing a lot of things. I think it's great. I think it's really trying to engage and keep people's imagination, keep people's, you know, childlike selves at the front because being an adult stinks sometimes and it's nice to kind of escape and see the magic through somebody else's eyes, through a child's eyes and go and do that. Now, does it come with a pretty penny? Yeah, it does. But um, I think we just keep watching Disney and seeing what they're doing because they have a hundred year track record that shows they have done some amazing things. And and let's look at a hundred years not a lot of companies are around that long. You know, things like COVID, natural disasters, families at each other's throats that mm-hmm. let the companies just dissolve or break up. And it's like, well, this kid can get this part, this can get that. So a hundred years and still full steam ahead, like Steamboat Willie. He's still driving that boat and making Ooh, sure that things are going circle. well. Yeah, full circle. That was a bullseye if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Cameron, you got anything? Uh, just a shout out. We are approaching Halloween, so get out there and go watch A Nightmare Before Christmas, mm. which is a Disney film, and Hocus, Hocus Pocus, Pocus, which yeah, is another I Disney say, film. I noticed that uh, Hocus Pocus in is Halloween showing Town. in Malco, right? Yeah. I forgot about Halloween Town. That is a millennial thing. I love it. Just don't talk about the later ones where they changed Marnie. Mm. All right. Well, good point. I got nothing, guys. And there's the closing bell. Ladies and gentlemen, you've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you like what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast delivered directly to your listening device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about Katie Pickler, Cameron Spann, or Court Winsett, please feel free to go to our website and check us out. We've got bios up there. And hey, while you're there, you can also drop a comment, suggest a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, or if you want to suggest a guest, we'll see if we can get them. Uh, that's bullcastpodcast.com. If you like pictures, we do have an Instagram handle. That is at bullcastpodcast. We also still have an X handle. That is at bullcastpodcast as well. We have a Facebook page, which is Bullcast the Podcast. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, as you have heard us say many times, if you're a regular listener, Katie, Cameron, and I all work for a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out more about our team, find out what we can do for you, or find out about our boss, David Pickler, please feel free to go to that website. That is PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. That's advisors with a no. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, we have given you a whole lot of information in a very short period of time, so enjoy it. For now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. And we're done. <laughs>